This is Anchored in Christ, the sermon podcast that gives you hope in the gospel as an anchor for your soul. Brought to you from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. Well, we are in that letter of the Apostle John. It's right before you get to Revelation. Today, our reading is from the first chapter, the first five verses. Hear the word of the Lord. We declare to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. This life was revealed, and we have seen it, and testify to it, and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father, and was revealed to us. We declare to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message you have heard from him. We have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Let us pray. Lord, you are light. You are the word of life. Each of us comes with great need and great concerns. And we ask that you would shine light now through your Holy Spirit and illumine our lives. That we may receive a word that gives us the courage and wisdom to walk in the light. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if someone asked you, what is Christianity? How would you answer? Is it an American way of life? Is it a political cause? I really believe that 2021 is a watershed moment in history and that all Christians must recover what is essential Christianity. And the first letter of John speaks to this moment. We heard it read. This week we watched in horror as much of the country did. A mob of 30,000 angry citizens stormed into our nation's capital. And hundreds, if not thousands, carried flags to express their identity, their ideas. Make America Great Again flags flew next to Christian flags. The Christian flag, which is an ecumenical white flag with blue field and a red Latin cross, which is in our own sanctuary, was carried by one rioter right onto the floor of the House of Representatives, even as guns were drawn to keep them out. Some flags had the 
ichthus, that symbol of a fish that was adopted by the earliest Christians. As the mob kicked in a capital door, one could see a red, white, and blue flag reading, Jesus is my savior on one side, and Trump is my president on the other side. A banner reading, Jesus saves, was draped across the Capitol steps, while thousands wore articles of clothing promoting Jesus and Christianity. Did the Christian brand on display this week represent or obscure the God who became flesh in the person of Jesus Christ? What is essential Christianity? What is an authentic Christian? These are the questions that John addresses when he penned this first letter to the churches. It was around 90 AD. We will be studying this letter for the next six weeks in this series. Let's get a context for the letter that John wrote. The church was at the end of the first century and it was divided. Christians were at each other's throats. There was disunity in beliefs and practices, and it resulted in a confusion about the Christian message. Does that sound familiar to today? Who's right? And how do we know what is true? One pastor friend wrote this week, quote, we are adrift on a sea of facts and alternative facts, truths, and alternative truths, distortions, misinformation, and lies, all told with a straight face and convincing passion. Who can you trust to be true? So at the end of the first century, into the second century, many Christians were turning to what's called as Gnosticism. It's based on a Greek word for knowledge. Gnostics considered themselves the knowing ones. They were initiated into a secret and superior knowledge. It caused them to leave the church and form their own societies. Gnostics used Christian themes, but they did not talk about repentance from sin or the necessity of putting one's faith in Christ's atoning death or the reality of the spiritual new birth that puts us in right relationship not only to God, but with one another in love. Gnostics used Christian words, but they bypassed the gospel Jesus taught and lived. I hope hope you are tracking with me. What damaged the first century witness of the church is damaging us today. Something false, something other than essential Christianity is on display. I do encourage you to pick up your Bible and to read this letter. It's only five chapters. Read it. Let this message speak to you. Today, we're going to focus on essential Christianity and how we know truth. John begins with evidence as the basis for the Christian faith. Evidence. 
Our liturgist this morning, Kathleen Ranny, holds a PhD in science and a doctor of jurisprudence. Kathleen is a patent attorney. She looks to evidence to establish the truth. And this is what the apostle John does. Listen again, verses one and two. We declare to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. This life was revealed. We have seen it and testify to you and declare to you. This is nothing short of courtroom language. That is what John is employing. This is his sworn deposition. This is his testimony, which is made with multiple eyewitnesses. Essential Christianity offers evidence that can be trusted. And the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are the bulk of the evidence written in the first century, either by eyewitnesses of Jesus or interviews with eyewitnesses. The, the four gospel writers are like four sports commentators. They're announcing the same event, but each from a different angle, highlighting different points with lots of overlap. If you want a summary, I think a great summary of this word of life that was being told by the eyewitnesses, read it. It's Acts 10 verses 34 through 43. If you write that down, Acts 10, 34 through 43, gives you the little story, elevator story that the, that the eyewitnesses were telling that gave birth to the church. The world had never seen anything like it. Now, essential Christianity is not to be equated with political ideals or a philosophy, or vague spirituality. Christianity is a relationship with a living person. Jesus Christ, whose life is, is evidenced to eyewitnesses that God has put on our flesh and revealed the will and the nature of God, offering salvation from sin, reconciling us to God in one another and redeeming, that is buying back, restoring all the world. This is the gospel. John heard this man. He saw this man. He touched this man with his own hands. That's why we read the Gospels. We read the Acts according to the Apostles. We read the letters of the Apostles. It's evidence. What is your response to this evidence? Do you believe in Jesus Christ, who is resurrected from the dead and Lord of all? Or do you deny the evidence? General Dwight D. Eisenhower visited a German concentration camp during the Second World War, and he was careful to document all that he saw. Eisenhower wrote to the chief of staff, George Marshall, and he, he wrote, quote, the things I saw defy description. The visual 
evidence of starvation, cruelty, and bestiality were so overpowering as to leave me sick. I made the visit deliberately in order to be in a position to give firsthand evidence of these things, if ever in the future, there develops a tendency to charge these allegations merely to propaganda. End quote. Eisenhower collected photos. He included himself at the concentration camp in photos. He ordered documentation on film that was 80 thousand feet of film to be used in the Nuremberg trials. In spite of the evidence, it didn't take long for Holocaust deniers to appear. With an abundance of testimony, evidence, these deniers remained unconvinced and still are unconvinced that the events ever took place. Do you believe the evidence of eyewitnesses to Jesus Christ? Or are you like a Gnostic, a denier, using symbols of Christianity but dismissing the person? In the first letter of John, these five chapters, we will hear over these next six weeks three practical tests that John gives to know what is essential Christianity and the authentic Christian life. Three practical tests. They are the moral test. It's a test that when you have an encounter with Jesus Christ and receive forgiveness and you have been reconciled with God and the spirit of God gives a new birth, there is a change that happens in your morals. It, it makes something new that was never there before that allows for a goodness to be manifest. Holy thinking, holy speaking, right relationship of obedience. The second test that we're going to be finding over the next few weeks is a social test. Social test. It is this relationship with God is translated horizontally so that we find ourselves loving even those who see us as their enemies or are our enemies. There is a love that we cannot explain that connects us to people. That brings down barriers, that does what no humanitarian agency has ever been able to do. That's the social test. And the third is a doctrinal test. It's that, it's that conviction, that assurance that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, that God has come with us and in his death, and his resurrection and ascension by the Spirit is with us, and we will see him face to face. Now, we're going to study and apply these tests in the coming weeks. We're going to examine our own lives. We're going to look at our church, and we're going to look at those who wave Christian flags. Do you know what the crowning result of the essential Christianity and authentic Christian life looks like? We see it in verse 3. It's fellowship with one another, because our fellowship is with God 
the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. Fellowship. I've teased us all before saying that in the church, our idea of fellowship is wherever two or more cookies are gathered together. Too few people know the joy of fellowship. Before the pandemic, many books were writing and showing us how alone we all felt. But men, more acutely, experienced superficial friendships with other guys. Conversation kind of limited to sports or kind of safe topics. Like, what are you building? What have you seen? What are you watching? But issues of personal relationships rarely came up. An in-depth piece in the Washington Post shows that since the pandemic, men started to have deeper conversations with other men. Their fellowships are going deeper. Fellowship is friendship. It's friendship with God and one another, and it is the crowning glory of essential Christianity. It's how others know that it's true. John 17, read John 17. They will know that you are with me by the way you love one another. And it is, it is not just that we're sharing ideas of a common cause. It's that we're actually sharing a mutual mind. Okay, imagine sharing the mind of the love and wisdom of God Imagine sharing the mind of the peace and goodness of Jesus Christ, and imagine that the sweet presence of the, of the triune God is connecting you with one another who live authentic Christian lives. Imagine the joy of such fellowship. Have you experienced it? I have. Others in this worship hour have too. It is true joy. In conclusion, the Christian message is that he who existed from limitless eternity has entered time and space and taken up residence here on earth. And he takes up residence in us as a person. And those who receive and believe the evidence put their trust in the historical risen person, Jesus Christ, are given power to become children of God. There are three tests of the authentic Christian life. They're revealed in our moral character that looks more and more like Jesus. It's revealed in our social relationship that looks more and more loving like Jesus, not violent, not hate-filled, and the test of doctrinal conviction that Jesus is God with us, who's come to us. He's dealt once and for all with the root of sin. He gives us eternal life. Verse 5, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Do you want, do you want this life that Jesus brings? Do you want this healing life to come into your life and into your family? 
into this nation and world that God has made? Then say, yes, that's what we do in worship. Whenever we hear the word, we're responding. If it's yes, then say yes to God's light. Manifest in Jesus Christ and walk in his way. Anything less is inauthentic Christianity. It's a falsehood. Walk in the light that has come into the world. I do encourage you to read 1 John, to read Acts 10, 34 through 43, to pray that what God wants to read into you and to know you would allow you to experience this life and then have the fellowship which results in joy. Let us pray. Lord, we ask that you would seal now, seal your word, that it may become more than printed word or auditory word, that it may become a living word that we encounter and that we rejoice in and that we are able to share in our lives, in our very being. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. If you'd like more information about our historic church, or you'd like to find out more about the gospel of Jesus, please visit our website at oldsouthnbpt.org. The peace of Christ be with you.